the Senate Budget Committee passed a 2020 budget resolution last week, but left out several proposals designed to protect the federal workforce. The measures, sponsored by Maryland and Virginia senators, would have provided for back pay for contractors during future government shutdowns and shielded federal pensions from future cuts. Virginia Senator Mark Warner was one of the co-sponsors. He tells me even though they were unsuccessful in the Budget Committee, they're still a priority for him and several of his colleagues. I'm proud to have about 170,000 federal employees in Virginia and literally tens if not hundreds of thousands of additional federal contractors. Um, The same could be said for my friends in Maryland and the district. And our federal workforce has been under enormous strain. Um, The 35-day government shutdown was stupid. It uh, put our federal employees in an extraordinarily vulnerable position. The number of GS-12s and 13s I saw at the food banks um, was was really heartbreaking. Um, on top of that, I, I think that uh, as somebody who spent a long career in the private sector, uh, it's hard for me to imagine anybody in the private sector that would show up for five weeks without pay the way our federal workforce was expected to show up. And, and um, I think we ought to not be continuing to um, harass our federal workers. Unfortunately, the president's budgets and even some of the the actions that came out of the White House uh, during the shutdown don't reflect those priorities. For example, uh, during the shutdown, uh, the White House never once met with any federal employees to reflect any of their their angst. Um, We also had bipartisan legislation during the shutdown that that would have targeted reimbursement as well for federal contractors. Um, and particularly low and moderate income federal contractors. And uh, there are still in our greater capital region, tens of thousands of federal contractors who clean the buildings or serve the food at cafeterias or other kind of low and moderate wage individuals who lost those 35 days of pay without any reimbursement at all. And they're still struggling mightily. So we tried during the shutdown legislation to get federal contractor reimbursement we were unsuccessful. During the recent budget process, I introduced legislation with, uh, it was co-sponsored by Senator Kane, Senator Van Hollen, that would have reimbursed federal contractors. Unfortunately, we didn't get a vote on that amendment, so we'll come back and try to deal with that at a later time. The second amendment that we did get a vote on, unfortunately it got voted down on a partisan basis, was trying to take out of the president's budget um, another one of the attacks he made on federal employees. In the president's budget, he once again tries to increase the contribution amount that federal employees would have to make to their pension systems, defers, without giving any corresponding increase to their federal pensions. They've already done this once since 2010. So to do that again, particularly coming on the heels of the 35-day shutdown, would just be, I think, way unfair. So... um, we did have a vote on that amendment. Unfortunately, uh, it was voted down on a partisan basis. All the Republicans voted against it. So we're going to go back to the drawing board and see how we can get that both protection of federal employees' pensions um, in any, any appropriations and authorizations going forward. And also, I haven't given up on trying to make sure we get our contractors some reimbursement. On the contractor piece, I, I think that specifically that amendment would have set up a fund to pay contractors back. I, I want to ask about how you would actually operationalize that, because the situation is more complicated for service contractors. I mean, some of them are are moved on to funded contracts. Some of them are sent home because the, the building they work in is literally locked, and there's a whole bunch of variations in between. So just 
figuring out who would have gotten paid but didn't because of a shutdown seems a lot more complicated. It, it absolutely is. And that was the reason why in past shutdowns, the government contractors have not been reimbursed uh, because there are so many different types of contracts. And I think, you know, probably not your listing audience, but the general public, sometimes when they think government contractors, thinks of very high-priced defense contractors. So what we tried to target, and we got a, a rough CBO score that would have put the cost on this at less than a billion dollars, which while a lot is still, um, this would have been disproportionately going towards people between under 50,000 and the next slug between 50 and 100,000, uh, we would have targeted and uh, you know, those dollars would have actually come back into the economy. Some of the folks will actually get some level of reimbursement if you're on a fixed price contract because the government still will have to honor that contract. But what happens if you were supposed to do a fixed price contract in three months, but since you've lost the 35 days of shutdown, you know, you now have to spread that same payment cycle over a four-month period. Uh, it, it really means the contractors at the end of the day are left kind of holding the bag. But your your point is uh, we had laid out this fund um, and there would be priority towards low and moderate income workers, but there would still been some challenges on making sure that it would have been distributed fairly. Of course, all of this is moot if, if Congress decides to just end shutdowns for good. And I know you have a bill that would do that with automatic CRs, but it seems like the time to do that most most logically would have been right after the last shutdown when the, the pain of it and the political futility of it was still fresh in everybody's memories. So is the door closed on that kind of legislation now? I hope not. My legislation, which I think is probably 90% public approval rating and probably about 5% congressional approval rating, it was called the In Stupidity Act. And it would have said if the Congress and the White House can't agree on a budget, that the government continues for a period of time on a continuing resolution and that the only folks who don't get paid are the office of the Congress and its staff and the office of the White House and its staff. I can assure you if that had been in place during this most recent shutdown, the shutdown wouldn't have lasted 35 days. There is, um, and you're right, we should have taken action on, on my legislation or other legislation in the immediate aftermath of the shutdown. However, the HISCAC, the, the operating Government Affairs Committee, uh, chaired by uh, Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, Republican Senator from Wisconsin, he has expressed um, ongoing interest in seeing if we can find some legislative solution uh, to prevent you know, shutdowns going forward. I think my idea, which isn't biased Democrat or Republican, um, would be a very good solution. There are more Republican-based ideas that would uh, have a continuing resolution, but then would include an automatic cut if um, if you didn't resolve the, the budget crisis and in uh, a fixed period of time, Senator Portman has some legislation on that. My concern with that is that there would be some, um, some of my colleagues would just keep us in permanent shutdown because they could use it as a indiscriminate way to cut federal spending. So I don't think that's, that's a solution set, but I, I hope we can come up with an idea that can both pass muster with the appropriators who are concerned about ongoing continuing resolutions and also get bipartisan support. Let me finish finish us up with what, a broader question on the on the budget process and the path forward. I mean, I'm going to remain optimistic here and and assume that you guys figure out a way to deal with the next two years of caps one way or the other. But but what do you think is the most realistic sequencing for that? Is, is there any chance of an agreement that would 
modify or eliminate the caps up front, like now, so that so that there can be a a, a rational regular order appropriations process, or are we going to careen around with CRs uh, late into the year? I wish we could find a way to get rid of these caps and and go through a, a legitimate process. Um, it makes enormous amount of sense. I don't think most taxpayers understand the amount of money that's wasted preparing for shutdowns, even if those shutdowns don't occur, or for that matter, even continuing in with CRMs, as you know, and your audience knows, have money caught up in a program or the program's over, but because you're operating on the CR, the money stays in that category and can't be moved to the the category where it's actually needed. Um, So this limping from CR to CR process uh, doesn't make much sense. I wish I could be a little more optimistic, but we went through a budget markup where it was, again, strictly partisan. And if anything, the budget process seems to have become more broken rather than less. And I know at some point, if the budget committee can't find a way to have a meaningful exercise, uh, then I think we, we may need to look at some level of structural reform. I know some folks have talked about you know, in a sense, creating a super appropriating committee that might come from authorizers from each individual committee. Sometimes when you talk about turf wars, that gets to be very problematic on the Hill. But I think there is one thing that there's pretty uniform consensus on is that the current budget process is badly broken and that the notion of limping from CR to CR or the potential of having another shutdown is not economically smart and clearly not smart for our those folks who do rely on the services or the federal workers who provide the services. That is Virginia Senator Mark Warner. You can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.